I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Happy matinee to you, gentlemen. Good morning. Steve, Andy. Good morning. You went to see Suspiria last night. Yes, we did. Oh, yes, we did. Can we Can we have a report? It was interesting. This is your report. This is your like long no, I, silence and interesting. Well, there, really, yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect because I, 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 I'm not a big fan of the horror genre. I know that this is sort of like a an influential film, and then there's the whole like it's the Italian giallo horror thing, which I don't know much about that genre or what what it's supposed to look like or feel like. And so it was, I mean, it was a beautiful 4K, you know print restoration or whatever they're calling that so it looked good the colors you know some really interesting things with colors you know it's not my type of film i'm glad i saw it (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it was a really interesting, just, it was an interesting experience. And it does, it does pique my curiosity in the world of kind of the Italian giallo horror. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see more of them just to kind of get a sense because it's, it's, it definitely was like a visual treat. It was, uh, the story was kind of weak, but it was interesting. And it, it certainly was just something that I was never bored with. You know, I, I, I had a really uh, fun time just kind of seeing uh, what they did with it and how uh, how they were really playing with kind of the horror genre and what they were doing because it really it does kind of get into the characters heads and it just makes it this kind of psychological journey into kind of very colorful gore and so it, you know it wasn't my favorite movie but it certainly um, was something that I still think I enjoyed and uh, it, you know made me want to watch more so there you go all right well I mean I I guess that's a win that's like <laughs> Well, it's the most like <laughs> middling, middling well, report I think I've heard from you. Too. I hadn't even heard of this movie until Abe Ben Ruby was on the speakeasy and said we have to watch it. I mean, I I see a lot of interesting visuals that I think people have lifted or been influenced by because it's from. Well, Andy and I were discussing how old this film is. It's 1977. We thought it was much older because Udo Kier is in it and looks like he's like 19 or something like that. So we thought this was like 60s, but it is that yeah. 70s. You've got the 70s blood that, you know, is really sort of hokey. Um, and yeah, there's not much story to it. And I regretfully got tricked into a jump scare that I was just ashamed of. <laughs> it's like, really? That really? But that I was think, fantastic. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's one that I'm I'm still stewing over in my head because there are a lot of interesting visuals. And I, it's something that I think maybe to revisit later on to just look at what it does visually and how that works, because there isn't much much story. Is that so I, I got to go back to your jump scare comment. Are you feeling like a little bit resentful that you got taken? Well, I, I knew <laughs> something was coming. <laughs> And it wasn't what I expected. So then it was just this, you know, hokey That's bat true. thing that I was like, oh, really? You're going to startle me? Because it's getting towards the end where things build up. And I think like the tagline for this movie was like the only thing more scary than the last, you know, 10 minutes of this movie or the first 90 minutes of the movie or something like that. And so it did ramp things up. And I thought, oh, this is going to like I thought we were going to get really bizarre, creepy, scare stuff and just, you know bat on a string flying through a window made me jump <laughs> <laughs> oh i can see why you feel bad about the poor steve yeah <laughs> it was it was the bat the only thing more scary than the last 10 minutes of this movie are the first 90 so the last 10 are okay if you made it through the first 90 i, I think it, it, <laughs> it's all downhill from there <laughs> Yeah, it's all I, I thought it was all pretty much on the same level. But, you know, maybe yeah. in the 70s, if it was something that you were seeing for the first time, I could see yeah. that maybe. But uh, yeah, know. it really uh, makes me interested in this uh, upcoming remake that's supposed to be coming out. I, I thought they were both or it was supposed to be released uh, in October, but I haven't heard anything else about it. But hmm. um, I am really curious about because um, watching this with the colors and the filmmaking style and stuff, I, it's like I wonder how they're going to do the remake, because clearly this is in its own giallo universe. Um, it, it, the story is pretty weak, but the, the style is pretty high. Are they going to go with that or are they going to kind of keep it a little more or are they going to kind of update the story? So I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this remake. Would you call it the giallo extended cinematic universe? <laughs> <laughs> is 
that even mean? Uh, I forgot. What else did we want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There were. I think we were going to talk about flatliners and other things this weekend, and and flatliners and the wonderful zero percent rating it got on on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh dear. Yeah, but then you have to—that's not good. Well, then you have to, you know, say I'm not going to go with the little tomato thing, but because that can be deceiving. So let me look at the other ratings, and it's like 3.5 out of 10, which still is not good. Oh, you know, I when it gets down there, I I can't even if it's a it's genuinely a bad movie, I can't help but feel bad about about it for them on their behalf. Well, I mean, nobody goes into making a movie, "Hey, let's make something that gets a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes." I mean, obviously they're they're trying to make something that they think is worthwhile. Um it's and then just something like this happens and obviously it just it does hurt. I mean, I do feel bad for the filmmakers, but again, this yeah. is the one I saw the the trailer and I'm like, "Gosh, I did, is that going to be something worth watching? Like why why did they feel this was a property that needed to be revisited?" Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's the combination of it's it's a reboot, but it's also sort of a sequel thing. And I don't right. know if that's contributing to the the problem of they, they weren't sure how to approach this and decided, well, let's let's do a sequel and reboot it. We'll have the best <laughs> of both worlds because that always works out wonderfully. It's a squeeboot. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> squeeboot. It, it, well, the... <laughs> Something about the zero percent though piques my curiosity more than it would if it was just like a thirty-seven because I'm like zero that has to be really bad and it makes me wonder yeah. if you know give it you know twenty years is this going to be like some cult film that people will be going oh that was I, such a great movie nobody understood it at the time well <laughs> reading the, it's like no Andy no no Andy no one will say that and the little quotes from the critics they pulled it's like. Who can one-up each other on the snark? Because we've got Glenn Kenny from the New York Times. This Flatliners is, in fact, a new definition of meh. And then Mike D'Angelo from AV Club says, Flatliners 2017 is the same dumb movie as Flatliners 1990, minus most of the surface charisma. <laughs> oh, dear. Ouch. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> it's terrible. It's, they're just, oh, yeah. There's, there's nothing oh. good, you know. Somebody get a defibrillator in here, stat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did you guys like the original <laughs> Flatliners when it came out? Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. because of who I was at the time. Yeah. Yes. See, and that's what makes me wonder. I'm like, I feel like these critics may just might not be the audience for this movie. It yeah. might be, you know, that that teen crowd that wants to go see uh, things like this. Because if I was a teenager, I probably would be in the seat watching this. I mean, you know, I loved My Stepmother is an Alien when when that came out. And, you know, I can't, you know, I, I, I have never... Re- we all know how that yeah, turned out. Right. It's not something that, uh, you know, I want to ever revisit. But uh, I, I'm betting that it was nowhere as good as I thought it was at the time. So... I'm sure yeah. teenagers will go watch this and probably enjoy it, but nobody else I'm wants sure to see will. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, rough report, yeah. rough report from from Flatliners. What else is on your list? I is anybody watch? Can I just ask? Has anybody watched any now since we're in still in the heat of our Trek series Discovery? I need to start checking it. Out. I haven't yet. You haven't checked it out. I, right. I watched, Steve, did you watch some? I, I watched the first episode, and um, I think, as I may have mentioned on Slack, you guys have been, you know, critical of the next gen movie, saying these are just like big TV episodes. Well, yeah, I can see that. But what's interesting with Discovery is it looks like they took a 
feature movie and crammed it onto the TV. And yeah. I, I think the part, Andy and I talked about this in the car a little bit last night after the, you know, movie we went, so after watching Suspiria. And um, I think the issue was back then, the whole idea with like Trek was everything you had those, you may have had like a two episode story or something, but it was, the stories were written were just these small individual standalone pieces. Now TV has gotten to the place where you can have like a series long arc of a story. So you can, you can tell a really big story and audiences will show up for that. You don't need isolated standalone episodes. And that pilot episode of discovery i'm like wow they're taking on a huge story here that i'm assuming it's going to take up at least the first half of the first season and so it it feels like a big story but then secondly my wife's watching with me she's like wait 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 this is supposed to take place like before original trek she's like how come like the bridge on you know next gen and original trek felt like these small little things we're here like you know before that and there the bridge of the ship is like this ginormous stage where the they were each standing like 30 feet away from each other. It's almost like they have to, sh- the captain has to shout commands across this huge room that is brightly lit with like all windows. And you, you look at the original bridges, it's like a, t- it's like somebody's living room where they're yeah, all crammed right. in there. And this was just like, this is the biggest bridge on a ship ever. How do they have room for this when, you know, they, they're less technologically advanced in where they should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that way, you know, it's, it's interesting because you, you look at that and then you look at the phaser Yeah. and, and she draws a phaser and it's exactly like the phaser from the original. Series. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's it great. is the exact model. Um, so there's, you know, I, I actually, I felt like I could see some of the, the kind of Brian Singer ish stuff. Yeah. You know, he's not, not really a part of it anymore, but, uh, but certainly in this first, the first two episodes, which are, which kind of run as a pair, um, um, and uh, who knows? Uh, episode three, I think, just dropped yesterday. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I'm I'm very curious uh, to see if that if if what happened in the first two episodes, just how uh, committed they are to to you know running with that, making it a season long story arc. I think they are. My hunch is that we're we're going to see a something that's that's imminently bingeable. And so far, I got to say, pretty good. But I I do have to say. I have a hard time feeling uh, or or making a a judgment as to which feels more like Trek, the Orville or Discovery, which which yeah. I never imagined I would say. But <laughs> one of these series actually has buried in it the heart of Gene Roddenberry, the still beating heart <laughs> of Gene Roddenberry. And, Much to uh, his chagrin. Uh, Yes, and and uh, my sense is it's not uh, it, it's not going to be discovery, uh, which is fascinating. <laughs> well, uh, I I agree. So, the Orville, so the, the or- challenge with the Orville is I I struggling with the tone they're trying to set because everything it's I'm like I thought this was like half hour you know wacky yeah. sitcom, but no, this is like hour long you know Star Trek drama with with some you know sort of with some pee gags yes and there's little quips and you know one-liners and jokes in there but overall when you back out of it you look at the story you're like oh yeah that's like some discarded trek episode that never got fully fleshed out or something that interesting stories interesting character i'm like i didn't think i was gonna have to be so you know focused and serious about these characters i thought this was gonna be like you know complete parody and it's it has that but it's it's like this loving homage to like Trek that I was not expecting. Totally. Yeah. Totally. 
Yeah, I still don't think it's going to make it to season two, but uh, no, (laughs) oh really? Is it? I think season one will be worth it. Well, it's a lot of money. I mean, this is a very expensively produced show, and um, I I I don't imagine that they're getting the kind of attention. We'll see, but I don't imagine they're going to getting the kind of attention that merits the kind of spend per episode. I just can't imagine it. I don't think either of these will make it to a season two. So it's, well, I I think CBS is is killing Discovery by making it subscription only. I think yeah. that's that's awful. It's yes. just a horrible thing to do. Well, I'm wondering if they're going to you know hit a realization if the numbers don't come in yeah. and they're just going to end up putting it out there in other ways. Here's I mean, it, it seems like that's the only way to end up starting to draw an audience in. Yeah, if you want to build a following, I it's got to be where people are actually watching. And I I don't know. I mean, I, do you? Do you <laughs> Uh, it's a tough sell to subscribe to CBS. Yes. It's not oh, yeah. not a thing that's long lasting. I think no. so. No. It'll be interesting. Right. All right. What else is on your list? We've got the uh, the box office. Yeah. Um, it just uh, just became, I think, just this past week, the highest grossing uh, horror film ever. Finally, breaking the thirty four year streak that uh, The Exorcist had. Thirty four so, years. Wow. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see some something that's really just tapped into the zeitgeist so much. And I think it always seemed like the property that that could potentially have some great legs for Stephen King uh, films, because I think Pennywise was such a, a, a creepy character. And it was just such a successfully designed character that uh, I, I think the trick was figuring out how to do it. And I feel like finding the way to split it between the two uh, the two time periods probably was the strongest way to do it. It does make me wonder how successful the the adult story will be at chapter two, um, because it's it's one of those ones where it's like I always liked the kids' story so much better in the book than the adults. Um, so will the second will they do something with the second story to kind of you know build it so it's a little stronger of a story? I don't know, but we'll find out September twenty nineteen. I still haven't seen it. Uh, oh. Yeah, the box office is waiting yes. for you. Pete. Apparently, it is. Although it need, it does not need my help. <laughs> it doesn't need it. No, but it's you know it and then of course Kingsman, the two movies that are at the top of the box office, are pretty much expected to still be at the top of the box office after this week. I mean, American Made and Flatliners are opening, but as we just said with Flatliners, I don't know if it's even going to make the top five. American Made. Um, I went out and saw it, uh, the Thursday night preview, and I had a great time with it. I thought uh, Tom Cruise and Doug Liman did a great job with it. Um, but you know, it, it might hit uh, number three for the weekend, but I don't think it has a chance of cracking the top two. You don't think it's going to beat that bucket of crap, T- Kingsman two? <laughs> <laughs> Fisticuffs! Here we go. Uh, <laughs> no, because I've got manners, and manners make man. I'm a troll. Let's do. Let's talk about trailers. Do I get to call the red band rule still? <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> Wait, okay, there's another yes. rule? There's, there's, there's a red band rule. <laughs> what is Red that? band trailers always go first. Oh, that's right. And and in case we have two red band rules, I don't remember. Is it alphabetical? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think we've ever had that, but okay. uh, I guess, you know. We'll have to cross I guess that we'll bridge. Have to, if somebody had picked the the red band for Shape of Water, we could have this discussion. But okay. No one did. Right. But yeah, so my trailer is the, <laughs> the trailer for the... <laughs> The wonderful Better Watch Out, which starts out what looks like, you know, just kind of there's a little bit of a, a teen romance sort of thing going on. You've got that horror vibe as this this ex-boyfriend starts um, 
uh, going after the babysitter. And it's got a pretty standard looking vibe with it. But then as soon as the uh, the kid, the, the young teen who is being babysat and who's totally got a crush on the babysitter, as soon as uh, the as soon as he takes out his bat and smacks it into the head of the the killer uh, uh, ex boyfriend and uh, kills him, it pretty much goes bonkers from there in this trailer, and it you know definitely uh, it marks it as a comedy horror thriller, and the trailer certainly <laughs> lives up to that because it's over the top. You've just got just all sorts of of crazy stuff happening with intruders trying to break in and now it's like this home invasion and these this these group of uh, people are trying to protect the house but it's bonkers it's insane and this this young kid who is the one being babysat uh is just brilliant and i just i couldn't get enough of watching uh every little part of this trailer i had so much fun uh with it uh, what did you guys think of it <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it surprised me. It's It was one I thought, well, I'm surely not going to see this. And then the baseball bat thing. And now I'm kind of intrigued. And Virginia Madsen is in it. And, and, and Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm actually uh, I'm I'm actually more excited about that uh, than I uh, certainly than I expected. Uh, to be it wasn't the baseball bat for me it was the you're gonna home alone him line that caught me because if you haven't seen it somebody did a sort of a, a, a breakdown of like the actual physical traumatic injury that the you know bandits would have suffered from all of the little traps in home alone so if you you go out there you can find what happens if you're tied to a chair and somebody you know chucks that that paint can uh, and it's pretty gruesome. And so I thought they're they're running with that and they're going to take it. And the tonal shift is I- I'm really intrigued by this because this is a horror film I can get behind because it's just so ridiculous and fun. And is it is it me or is that that Levi Miller? Is that the main kid? Yeah, he's the main kid. Yeah. He, he was- looks so much different than he did in Pan. Yeah. Yes. And right? I never imagined Pan to, you know. Do this kind of <laughs> to home alone stuff. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's grim. Uh, well, it, it did make me wonder. I mean, these are the sorts of questions you shouldn't ask in a movie like this. But it's like he's probably old enough to not need a babysitter. Why is he still getting babysat? You know, he's. But you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's fine. It was a really fun trailer. I have to uh, to just read this though. So it was. It's directed by uh, uh, Chris Peckover and written by by uh, Chris, along with Zach Kahn. And uh, just looking at Zach Kahn's bio on uh, IMDb, this is what uh, I uh, somebody wrote, which just cracked me up. Uh, Zach Kahn was first seen in his kindergarten production of Les Miserables. Based in Los Angeles, Kahn is a comedian, actor, writer, director, and author. His favorite genres to work with are comedy, thriller, horror, drama, fiction, nonfiction, action, crime, indie, mainstream, romantic comedy, and porn. <laughs> He can currently be seen in Panic Room on Ice. <laughs> that so is Renaissance that, Hollywood, Jess. <laughs> that just, uh, but I mean, he was he was a writer on Mad uh, Mad TV, and so it just it it has that feel. And I I had a great time watching this trailer, and it looks like this movie is actually opening up. It played at Fantastic Fest, but it's going to be hitting theaters here next Friday. Oh. So we're going to be able to see this very soon. And then I think, uh, you know, US, New Zealand, Thailand, UK and Ireland, it'll be kind of hitting all those places um, 
between November and December. Uh, nowhere else after uh, outside of that, but uh, hopefully people will be able to find it regardless. That's awesome. Steve, what's yours? So my trailer is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> my trailer is Wonderstruck, which is based on the book Wonderstruck by Brian Selznick, who uh, you may be familiar with with the uh, Hugo Cabaret book that was made in the film Hugo. Yeah, so again, totally. So it, this is another case where it's a book that is big, old, fat, hardcover, and half of the story is told through images, and the other half of the story is there's there's some actual text to read. And so this is the story of uh, a boy named Ben who longs for the father he's never seen, and a girl named Rosie who dreams of a mysterious actress whose life she chronicles in a scrapbook. And Ben discovers a puzzling clue in his mother's room, and Rose reads an enticing headline in the newspaper, and both children set up alone on desperate quests to find what they're missing. And the stories are told, I think, like 50 years apart. We've got Ben in 1977 and Rose, like, sort of in the, the late 20s. And it is something that I'm just, I have not read the book and I had forgot that they were making this. Uh, it's directed by Todd Haynes and Brian Selznick actually wrote the screenplay, which I think is pretty much just, you know, had hand Todd the book and say, okay, here's your storyboards. It's already set out for you. Um, but it's one of these great kid stories that I think just is something that's a, a nice alternate programming in October against some of the, the, the horror films. This is coming out October 20th. Uh, and I'm just fascinated with stories like this, where it's kids going on this, this little adventure in the big city. Um, of course, to me, not very realistic because you let a kid loose in the big city like New York and parents are freaking out. And, but I think for kids, this great adventure that you can go on to discover sort of who you are or about your family is just a, a really compelling story that I always find very interesting. I am really intrigued by this. I, I, I read uh, The Adventures of Hugo Cabret with my daughter, and we both just were under its spell, just absolutely mesmerized. She's currently actually reading Wonderstruck, and she's and I just showed her the trailer, and she's like, I have to finish it before the movie comes out. Like She's super excited about uh, the fact that this is going to be made into a movie. I'm really, uh, I, I'm really excited about it. I, I loved, ju I just love the way that Selznick tells these stories. Um, uh, Todd Haynes is a director who's never really hit it out of the park for me. So that when I saw that he was directing it, that really kind of perplexed me. I'm like, really, that's an odd choice for this story, but I'm going to give him a chance because I, I think the story itself, there's, there's so much potential for it. And I'm really excited about the fact that he cast Millicent Simmons to play young Rose. Uh, Millicent is a, a young uh, deaf actor and the character is deaf in the story. And, and her part of the story, I, I believe is the one that's all done um, in illustration um, because it's like, that's how she sees her world world. She doesn't, you know, she can't hear anything. So it's just all the images. And I thought that was a really interesting and, and strong choice to actually cast a deaf, deaf actress to play the part. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, me too. I thought the trailer did exactly what it needed to do. I'm super intrigued by the, the layering of these stories on top of one. They didn't give any, uh, any of what you're talking about away. Like I, I didn't get any of it. Uh, but the, the whole black and white versus color versus just the, the different sort of uh, uh, tableau uh, that they were dealing with on screen or presenting on screen, I was really moved by and super curious. I'm absolutely going to see it, especially knowing that it's the it's it's a, another sort of Hugo story. I'm, I'm a big fan. And Julianne Moore. And, you know, I wonder yeah. if she'll be smiling the whole time. <sighs> <laughs> you see, that is twice. Man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, is that it? Is that your last? When does it come out? October twentieth. So October. So 20th. right around the corner. Yeah, like I said, uh, uh, your alternate to the horror that's out there. Take your kids to something nice and fun. Okay, my trailer is also right around the corner. Uh, it is The Bachelors. Uh, from director Kurt Volker, Volker uh, and uh, actually he wrote and directed this film, stars J.K. Simmons uh, and uh, uh, Kevin Dunn and Josh Wiggins as The Sun, Odea Rush, uh, and Julie Delpy. Oh, Julie Delpy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not a, a sunrise, sunset movie. Um, it's it's a different movie for her. That's very exciting. Uh, this tells a story uh, after the death of J.K. Simmons' uh, character's wife. Uh, he moves with his teenage son across the country to a private school uh, where he begins teaching and uh, his son uh, goes to school. And they both find uh, unique uh, girlfriends. And um, they learn to embrace life and love again, according to IMDb. So it's very sensitive. I actually found myself quite moved by this trailer. Um, I love J.K. Simmons. I love his beard. Oh, <laughs> that is a beard. Uh, but everybody in here, I think, presented a, a, a wonderfully sort of heartfelt uh, uh, character. Even in the trailer, I felt like I was getting to know them uh, to the point that I wanted to spend more time with them. And I, I uh, you know, pulled at just the right heartstrings. Uh, I don't know much about uh, Kurt Volker. Um, uh, he's, you know, he did, he wrote Rock Dog and Sweet November uh, and Park. Uh, but in terms of, he also directed Park and, and a short uh, decade of love, which I have not seen. I have seen n- none of these things. Um, my kids saw Rock Dog and they loved it. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I don't know. What do you guys think? One. Do you know much about this? I don't. Um, but the trailer, you know, I was right there with you. The trailer totally just, you know, it gave me the feels. It was a. Uh, it was a nice little trailer, a nice sentiment uh, with everything in it. I mean, I, I really just love these characters. And I feel like I got to know them and I got to sense the pain that they were uh, struggling with the loss of mom. And uh, I just, I really, I don't know, I, I just clicked with it. So I count me in. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you as far as the feels. It, it, it is, the trailer seems to show that there's a balance to the story of sort of the awkwardness and of, of dealing with with loss and tragedy and, and those awkward, you know, parent moments, we've got the scene where it's like dad's given the son the car. He's like, well, how are you going to get to work? He points to a bicycle. He's like, I have never seen you ride a bicycle. And it's just those, you know, worlds sort of colliding of, you know, parents having to deal with their kids differently. And I think it seems to be doing that in a very touching way that it's just a, a nice, yeah, it's going to pull on your heartstrings. It's, it's rated K for Kleenex. There's going to be all kinds of tears, <laughs> but I, I, what I see is it, it's hitting everything that I would expect this film to do. So I, I am looking forward to this one. It's like the male version of Lady Bird. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, it, it hit uh, June 20th at the Los Angeles Film Festival, September 8th at the Deauville Film Festival, uh, and it hit San Diego October 6th. Uh, so it's it's definitely on the festival circuit. Apparently, it gets wider release October 20th. I'm not uh, entirely convinced I'm going to see it in a theater, uh, given the, the list of release dates. Maybe if I go to Greece, November 30th, or the UK, <laughs> January 26th. Uh, so I'm not holding my breath, but the story looks uh, really cute. So uh, put it on the list. Absolutely. Right. Shall we talk about our list today? 
Let's do it. Now, Andy, you were not around last week, so it was, was up to, to me and Steve to come up with the rules. And I think our rules were were fairly uh, broad. <laughs> yeah, blood foods. Yeah. Blood foods. <laughs> Families torn asunder. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we used the word gravitas. Uh, sure, yes. Yeah, so I, I, so, yes. I don't quite... <laughs> I don't quite remember. <laughs> it was the side of gravitas uh, this, with the film. What, yes, yeah. Was this an easy? Was this an easy list for you guys? I had a really easy time with it because <laughs> Andy's going to just break all the rules. Uh huh. Uh huh. He wasn't even Probably. here. So what, what does he care? <laughs> yeah. <The> rules, rules. <laughs> all right, Andy. Maybe you should go first. Well, I'm kicking it off with what I think is uh, just an absolutely delightful film. And certainly it ties in nicely with um, with the, our recent conversation about Kingsman um, because it's another Matthew Vaughn film and it is Stardust. And while I wouldn't say the film is centered on a blood feud, <laughs> I would say a blood feud is definitely a key element of the story because it involves this kingdom where uh, the king dies and all of his he has seven sons and they all like, you know, go after each other in quest of trying to get this. I, I can't remember what it is, like a ruby or something that he throws into the air. And so uh, the seven sons all like start, you know, fighting and, and it's, it soon leads to pretty much all of their deaths. Uh, and it's just a glorious, uh, you know, fun time of watching these sons fighting and, and going after each other. So that would be my first blood feud, Stardust. Uh, fantastic uh, watching these seven brothers, uh, you know, fighting. That's, so, a, there that's you go. a great choice. And yeah. I don't actually think it breaks the rules. Uh, there is one rule that I want to uh, throw out, which is Steve never goes first. And uh, be- because of that, I'm, I'm cutting in line That's fine. this week. Uh, with, with my- yeah, he kind of killed your list last week, didn't <laughs> he? He did. He totally boned my list. And I was, I've was i been carrying that around all week. And so I'm going to go before Steve okay. with Friendly Persuasion. Have you guys seen this movie? No. I have not. Friendly Persuasion. It's a... It's a, a, a <laughs> It's a Civil War era comedy, uh, mostly, starring Gary Cooper and pre-psycho Anthony Perkins. They're, a, they're part of a Quaker family and uh, a, a, a Confederate, um, you know, Confederate gang comes in and messes up a nearby town and Perkins uh, picks up a gun. And uh, picks up a gun in vengeance to fight back against these bushwhackers that destroy their community. And uh, it's the weirdest comedy you've ever seen, but it's much it's largely uh, ignored. And I think not rightly like it's a bizarre tonal uh, mashup that you should probably see. It's very strange. And Gary Cooper and Anthony Perkins, they, it's, it's really strange, but it ends up tearing the family apart in a kind of weirdly funny way because comedy. Oh yeah. Okay. So I I like that. The, the tagline on the poster says it will pleasure you in a hundred (laughs) ways. You see what I mean? It is that, that actually describes my experience with this movie. So there you go. Friendly persuasion. And and directed by William Wyler. So, okay, that, that's going to give me a reason to see this. I I really enjoy his films. So there are, there are reasons. Okay. And the writer was a blacklist, uh, which I think is always interesting. Michael Wilson was on the blacklist and there was no screenwriting credit when the film was originally released. There is just a a lot of reasons to see this movie, as you can clearly see. But mostly Anthony Perkins is a Quaker and he picks up a gun. Okay. 
That's there fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Uh, <laughs> okay, Steve. Okay. So this, it was a challenge for me. I, I really struggled with finding what I felt were going to be blood feuds. So we'll, we'll see. But my first one is um, at the time of its release, I, I don't have numbers to back up if it still holds this status, but it was the highest grossing Russian release ever, grossing more in Russia than Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And what this is, is a story of a thousand year old truce between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. I'm talking about 2004's Night Watch. Oh, oh that has always been on my list to watch, but I've never actually seen it. Totally. So, yeah, Timur Beck. Bekmambatov. Bekmambatov, yes. And it is just this crazy, you know, the forces of darkness and the forces of light, you know. So I went with, there's my blood feud. If they've been, you know, at war, there's now a truce for a thousand years. And of course, humanity gets stuck in the middle. And it's just, it's a visual spectacle. It is so much fun. Was this the one, does it end up in a little town at the end, like a village of some sort? Is there a village involved? No, <laughs> I feel like I've seen this, but it ends in a village showdown. No, this is uh, all this. I've tried because I've watched this and its follow up day watch. And, but I think I think night watch ends with a big fight in the city. Uh, maybe day watch ends, you know, maybe in a small village. But this is this is like you've got, huh. you know, cars driving on the sides of buildings and just all kinds of crazy visuals uh, going on weird dimensions uh yeah it's it's something that i think it's out there on netflix now so definitely worth uh awesome. you know checking it out and nicolai custer waldau is in it yes that's awesome okay well i i don't remember it enough if i did see it i'll see it again nice pick andy fantastic number two my number two, uh, you know, I was, I was a little torn on which way to go with this, but I, 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 in the end, I ended up picking a film that, while I didn't love it, I found it really like a fascinating psychological study, along with kind of a little bit of a, a, a you know, kick-ass thriller, and it is uh, the really interesting uh, film called A History of Violence, in which we have uh, the always fantastic Viggo Mortensen, who is kind of like this small town diner owner. Uh, and these these robbers come in and basically kind of he he pretty much destroys them in no time. And then as you find out that, oh, it's actually there's a lot of stuff going on with Viggo Mortensen's character that we never knew because he has a history of violence. <laughs> and it turns out that his <laughs> that his his brother, uh, played by William Hurt, actually, um, uh, there's this kind of uh, feud between the two of them. And uh, while Vigo is trying to hide and just kind of get away from that life, um, William Hurt's character has no intention of letting him do so and, and brings the blood into it to kind of end this uh, story. It's just a really interesting story. I had a great time with it. David David Cronenberg, um, you know, it's it's not like uh, his, the earlier sorts of films that he would do, but he certainly got into a lot more psychological sort of stuff in this period in his career. And I, I really was fascinated by the relationship between these two brothers and really what it did to Vigo's character uh, throughout the film. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Took one off your list, did I? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I will just leave it with this exceptional pick, Andy. <laughs> so New World Pete will go first and do all his movies. <laughs> then everybody right. else gets the scraps. 
<laughs> See, rules evolve. They're made to evolve. I think if we've learned anything. All right. My second pick is uh, Warrior, I, I think, 2011. Tom Hardy. Uh, and this is this is a, a nod to Tom Hardy. And we're talking about Tom Hardy this week in Star Trek Nemesis. Uh, Tom Hardy faces up against his brother, Joel Edgerton, in the finals of a mixed martial arts competition. This is one where Nick Nolte actually was nominated for Academy Award for his Best Supporting Actor role as, as the alcoholic father. And it is, it's got some some great fights. It's shot well. Tom Hardy and, and Joel Edgerton look great. And it has one of the most disappointing endings uh, of a fight film. And uh, it was, I found it really frustrating. Uh, and so it is, it is both my number two pick of brother against brother blood feud. Unfortunately, uh, you know, not to completely spoil it if you haven't seen it, but not bloody enough at the end, as it turns out. <laughs> I wanted more of the blood feuding at the end. <laughs> oh, man, I love that movie. I love that movie. Oh. No, that I I Yes, it's no, it's great. No, it, it is a it's great. It, I I'm with you. It, the the whole setup to like okay, you know where this is going to go, but then like they've done so much I think in terms of the the backstory on the two brothers and their path to to why they're in this competition that for me on first watch I was like I I, who do I pick? Who am I rooting for? Because I really see what each one of them sort of what's at stake for each of them. And I thought that was a really smart. It wasn't clearly like, oh, here's the good brother. Here's the bad brother. And it's good versus evil. It's like, yeah, you've got two different personality types. And Tom Hardy is a bit of a lunatic, but you can re- I think they did a nice job of conveying what what he's about and why he's doing this, which to me, yes. I thought was really, really sharp uh, way to approach this. Absolutely, I I could not I could not agree more. It just it's really the climax of their final yeah. fight that I find oh, yeah. super frustrating. I wanted somebody to win. Yeah, and and in a way, I guess I guess you know they both did. Yeah, uh, angels. <laughs> Andy, have you never have, seen you it? Haven't, you haven't seen it? I haven't no? seen it. Right. No, it's one that I've always been torn. Like, oh, should I watch this? Like, oh, I've yeah. heard it's, some good things, but I've also heard some uh, not good things. So I, I haven't bothered. You should watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you should watch. In terms of fight films, it's a good yeah. one. All right, so Warrior, there's mine. Uh, yeah. Steve, number three. What's your number two pick? Two Households, Both Alike in Dignity, Romeo and Juliet, 1996. That's a classic. Yeah. I mean, if you, you guys are like blood feud. Well, these two brothers don't get along with each other. I'm like, no, feud, large-scale violence. That's what we're going for. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, this take on Romeo and Juliet of setting it contemporary times, just visually... You know, frenetic Baz Luhrmann bringing in the music, the color, the flair, the flash uh, just did a, a nice job of creating a movie for teens for, as a story for teens. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what it was for. I yeah. hated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, loving the soundtrack, though, yeah. as I, you know, most of uh, most of Baz Luhrmann's, yeah. you know, rock yeah. operas. Uh, yeah. I, I loved the soundtrack of this one. That was really great. Yeah, he fluctuates for oh, me. Yeah. It's yeah. just uh, yeah. it, it was that was one I watched. And I'm like, oh, I just there's there's other versions of this that I appreciate more than this one. I really I really struggled with his thing. My favorite actually version of that is the version that we see in uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the yes. the stage version oh, that they put on is totally, just brilliant. Totally. Yes. Uh, oh, our, so funny. All right, here we are. This is our final round 
blood feud films. Sticking with the Shakespeare uh, angle, I I had a few options I was looking at with this because uh, there certainly are some great blood feuds in in uh, his films. But I'm going with the one that is my favorite, and it's probably the the gentlest adaptation of of <laughs> I guess you could call it a, a loose adaptation of one of Shakespeare's stories, and it is the Lion King which I think is a fantastic, fantastic pseudo take on Hamlet. I love the, uh, the, the struggle that Simba has in, in feeling guilty about the death of his father, only to learn that it was actually this, this anger that his uncle has that, that led his uncle to kill his father. And then, of course, Simba comes back to reclaim the throne. Love the movie. Uh, just it's it's one of my favorite uh, animated Disney films. I have such a great time, and there is a, a great big battle at the end just for you, Steve. So there you go. Lots of feuding going on between lions and hyenas. There, only after like ninety minutes of a Hakuna Matata. <laughs> That's about what yeah. you get in an animated yeah, film. You're not- <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, My okay. Well, my number one pick was uh, Andy's number two pick, uh, A History of Violence. And so I agree. But I am going to give you a runner up uh, because we clashed here. Uh, And that is uh, the uh, 1985 uh, Akira Kurosawa film, Ron. Uh, in which uh, our, uh, our aging warlord uh, has uh, his three sons are pitted against one another and um, they end up there's exile and there's fighting and battles for kingdoms and uh, if, if there isn't a, a story about large-scale family <laughs> families torn asunder yeah. uh, that's better than this I don't know I don't know what it is I I, I uh, I think this was a uh, this was one of his great ones. Uh, it's another Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah, yeah, right. So, there we go. And it was actually uh, my other Shakespeare backup oh. in case somebody else picked yeah, okay. one of mine. So I had that uh, as one of my runner ups. Great now, choice. That's Pete. an interesting one, Andy. Like I, as I'm talking about it and thinking about it, I, why is it wasn't that on the main list? Like it really, it it is. It fits all of the categories, and somehow Absolutely. I put it as a runner up too. I don't know. I uh, that's an interesting uh, thing that both of us had it as a runner up yeah. and not as one of our primary ones. I was actually really torn. It's funny that you say that because I was really torn between that and a history of violence. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I ended up going with history of violence. So it's really I, it's and it's only because I didn't want to end up with two Shakespeare uh, okay. movies on my list. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's really funny. All right, Steve. Okay. Close this out. I'm going to close this out with a film about armies fighting for decades over a piece of land. A religious war where men are willing to sacrifice their lives for a larger cause. It's about empire, beliefs, and defending those beliefs. And I know you guys haven't seen this, although I urge you to repeatedly. I'm talking about the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Mm. (laughs) That's so funny that you say that because I just told you last night I have it on the top of my Netflix queue. Exactly. I was like, good. You'll be able to either back me up or go, Steve, I don't know what you're talking about. That movie was a disaster. Uh, To me, it's just epic storytelling. And when you've got you know, two, you know, nations basically waging war over a piece of land and each are willing to die for it. So, you know, generational religious blood feuds. I I need nice. to see it. I know this is not the first time you have said that we need to see that movie, the director's cut. And then we did, what, what was it? We talked about uh, who's, was it, uh, what's his name? Whose brother did the music. Yeah, Harry yeah. Gregson Williams. Yeah. Right, yeah. And the music is amazing. Oh, yeah. All right, all right, fine. 
This is a good list. Uh, this <laughs> oh, is a good, good list yeah. right here. Uh, uh, and uh, totally worth seeing links uh, to all of these in the show notes. Check them out. And now we have to come up with our list for next week. Of course, this is going to tie into uh, a discussion of Star Trek Nemesis. What are you thinking? I think it absolutely has to be uh, uh, twin movies where the actor plays both uh, both identical twins. I am totally going first every round. <laughs> <laughs> I know we are going to clash. <laughs> okay, uh, so yes, twin yes. movies in which one actor plays both twins. What did you say? No. Exactly. Yeah. One that was it. actor oh. plays both Surprise. twins. <laughs> Uh, we might find that there are only a, a, a <laughs> handful enough for, for us each to... <laughs> okay. It turns out there are only three, and we just have to have them in a, in a different order. That's the game. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, we might have to modify this over the week as we actually start looking to see. <laughs> you know, there's only four of these out there. Oh, I've, I've, got, no, I've, we'll, I've got we'll two see. off the top of my head already, so... I think I'll bet we have the yeah, same two. Probably. <laughs> Well, and I, it, we should, you know, we should say, you know, we're probably still trying to stick with the rule. Well, at least I am of of not picking anything we've discussed yeah, on yes. the show before. So I know that already eliminates yeah. a big one for me. Curses. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Nice list, gents. I uh, this is a, I'm I'm really regretting. It's so cold. I wish I could have been outdoor casting with you today, but uh, oh, fall is fall thing. has come. I know you guys don't know what that looks like no, in Arizona. No, it's it's actually beautiful weather in fall out here. So, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. It's not pouring. I should rain. Have, I should oh. have been outdoor outdoor casting today. Uh, but um, good matinee. Uh, and thank you, Absolutely. thank you, uh, both of you, Steve and Andy, and thank you, everybody, uh, all of our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate you um, supporting the show, and we hope once again that our discussion of great blood feud films is made for excellent dish casting. And house cleaning casting for you. That's that is our goal for the Saturday Saturday matinee. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll catch you all next week with uh, twin movies. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Andy, according to my friend Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREAL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.